WXDX-FM, Pittsburgh. Let's get some quick Antonio Brown talk here. I am contractually obligated to reap the constant whirlwind that is Tony Totap and it's common sense and good radio besides. No one should defend A.B. if he did, indeed, throw furniture off the balcony of his 14th floor apartment in Florida and almost killed a kid and his grandfather. No one should cite CTE or say, hey, that's what Led Zeppelin did or some other method of what aboutism. It's obviously not the kid's fault. I guess he could have called a fair catch. It's not the grandpa's fault. It's not the father of the kid's fault. The father of the kid is the multimillionaire and former member of Israeli Special Forces. He's suing AB and the landlord's suing AB too. And I guess you could say alleged about all this, but evidence point to this having happened. For example, the security cameras and the fact that the furniture did not belong to AB and was then suddenly flying through the air for no evident reason. Somebody threw it out of that apartment. Who else was in it? Circumstantial, yes, but men have been sent to the electric chair for less. If you look at AB's path of chaos over the past few years, it's obvious the guy needs help. Therapy. Maybe some time off football. But the Steelers and Tomlin won't even talk about what happened in Florida, and all of you don't care as long as he keeps catching the football. So this could go back. In fact, AB's situation has the potential to turn very bad. He seems overwhelmed by his life. If that happens, those who enabled will have to take blame, and there are no shortage of those. There are more of those, in fact, than AB has kids. Boots brought to you by 84 Lumber, helping to build the right way since 1956. If something bad would happen to AB, self-inflicted, God forbid, God forbid. I still might have to say, you know who saw this coming, don't you? Me, that's who, the super genius, Mark Madden. You know who wanted to help AB? Me, that's who, the super genius, Mark Madden. You just want him to keep catching footballs. I don't care what he does as long as he keeps catching footballs. You know, I wish I could dig out the tape of the show I did December 5th last year. The day after the the very medieval game between the Steelers and Bengals. That was Monday Night Football, December 4th. Because when you read what happened in that game, it puts you in a in a state of shock. It really does. Shazir gets paralyzed. 20 penalties, seven extracurricular penalties. Iloka hits AB in the head. Juju knocks Perfect out. I give Juju credit. That was a gutsy move. Because if you don't kill him, at some point he gets up and comes back after you. Maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, 
but certainly this coming Sunday at Cincinnati. I said at the top of the show, and uh, this is just too funny, the guy refing the game, besides refing football, he is also a personal injury attorney. Cleet Blakeman. I do like that the NFL referees have other jobs, but I can't help but feel the NFL deliberately assigned the personal injury attorney to the Steelers against the Bengals. Although I am told that Cleet Blakeman charges 40%, while Shenderovich and Rhodes and Fishman charge only 25 I never get tired of that. Let's go to Jason in the car. Jason, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. Uh, yeah, I just saw that Tomlin was fined twenty five grand by the league for his comments on the officiating after the game, uh, and in particular the T.J. Watt call. And I just can't seem to figure out if the NFL is just that tone deaf when it comes to these really awful calls. Where I mean, there was no contact. On yeah, that but that, but don't play. forget when you criticize a call, you're questioning the integrity of the league. And even though I didn't like that call on Watt, or for that matter, the call on, who was it? Boston got a flag too, right? Yeah, right after, I think. I didn't like either of those calls, but that's the way they're calling it in the league now. And if the National Football League lets uh, a coach get away with criticizing, then every coach is going to criticize. If you're trying to change the game through a radical shift in officiating, you can't let the coaches talk about it. You have to make them shut up. Fair point. I guess I also heard the other day on DVE, I think it was a former NFL official making the point that, you know, officials in game now are not making calls based on what they see, but rather what they think the league is going to reprimand them for if they don't call it. Uh, no question. They're calling the game the way the league wants them to, but isn't that, that part of the job description? I mean, I think you hire officials, and I know they have the part-time officials. I think that's one problem. But you hire them to see what they're trained to see. I don't think you're paying Well, no. Them. See, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dispute that because uh, do you watch hockey much? Yes. One of the problems with hockey used to be, and it's not so much now. I mean, it still exists, but it's not rampant like it was. One of the problems in the NHL used to be was that every ref had a different way of calling the game. Every ref had an interpretation of the rules that might be different from some other refs. And now I think every ref in hockey, and more pertinent to what we're talking about, Jason, I think every ref in football is encouraged to call the game the same way. And if they don't, even though the discipline is quiet, I don't think they get away with it. I think the NFL is much better at getting what they want out of referees than is any other sport. I I think that's a fair argument to make. I think... Um, you know, in the case of baseball, a good example too. You have, you know, umpires with very different strike zones, and that has a major impact on a lot of games. But I think in the case of the NFL, you're just seeing players don't know a lot of times what's about to be called, and I think that's going to create some challenges. Well, yeah, but, but over time they should figure it out. Thank you for the call. Uh, you know what that reminds me of? What that guy said about the umpires. It, it umpires still have radically different strike zones. You know, from each other. And last night, that Angel Fernandez, who botched uh, the calls at first base in game three, four got reviewed, three got overturned inside of four innings. Well, last night, he umpired home plate. 
And after the game, CC Sabathia couldn't wait to say how bad Angel Hernandez stinks at home plate as well. So, uh, uh, but I remember when I was a kid. I don't know when this switched over. Old timers will remember. It used to be that the National League umpires wore their chest protector inside their coats, and the American League umpires wore their chest protector outside their coats. The National League chest protector was kind of like a catcher's chest protector, and the American League used these big, bouncy, pillow-like things that, you know, they, they, they held straps behind their arms to pull the chest protector tight, and that altered the view of the umpire, and as a result, the strike zones in each league were radically different. And when it got to the World Series, it was chaos. But then again, no mass media, no social media, no replay every time. It didn't seem like as big a deal, although I'm sure uh, for the batters and pitchers, it was indeed that big a deal. Let's go to Mike in Bethel Park. Mike, you're on with Mark. What's hey, up? I, I, got a, I, I got a quick question for you. I, now, with all these calls going on with like all the officials, all these new, new, you know, new calls, at what point do, does the league hand out flags and say, hey, start playing? What, what do you mean, flag football? Yeah, I mean, that... that, that they're they're like obviously football. not going to do that. Anything else? No, I, I know that, but I mean, at what point, it seems like you, you can't do anything. So no, you, 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 the game's pretty much the same, except when you hit the quarterback. Uh, yeah, fair point. And, and they're going to protect the quarterback. And do you blame them? No, no, I don't blame them. But some of these calls, like, like Tom Brady, he got hit on his helmet. Yep, and they want to protect him. I mean, don't, don't you yeah. get it? Yeah, I get it. You're right. You're good. Fair enough. You're right. They're going to do what they have to do to protect their product, and they feel like the NFL product is the quarterbacks. And uh, I think quarterbacking's never been worse, so maybe they're right to protect the ones that are good, and to do that, you have to protect all of them. People want it to be a man's game. People who never took a hit in their lives want it to be a man's game. And I get it. We grew up on blood and guts football. But for young people, especially the jerky millennials, football's not blood and guts anymore. You know what football is? Football's red zone. Football's fantasy league. Football's anything but what we used to like about it. Okay, we got Billy and Jordan on hold. We'll get to them in just a moment. We got uh, Mike Rupp at the bottom of the hour. And later on, we'll give away tickets to the ex-Kick-Ass Christmas show. That's December 1st. The Struts are in town at Stage AE. I like the Struts a great deal. By the way, Greta Van Fleet, of whom we spoke earlier with Danny Stagg, they got a big U.S. tour in the spring. No Pittsburgh date yet, but I bet there will be. They drew a big crowd at Stage AE. I'm going to see Elton John tonight, probably his last ever appearance in Pittsburgh. That's a PPG Paints Arena. 8 o'clock, late start. I don't like that, but but his song book is, is foolproof. I saw a recent uh, video of Greta Van Fleet live in concert. Here's what's really scary about those kids. They're getting better. They were really good to start. They're getting better. The singer's getting better. He's getting more polished. He sharpened his look a little bit. He's kind of going for the plant thing, but with the Epstein fro. From Welcome Back, Cotter. But he is just brilliant. I mean, the guitar player, too, the twins, the whole band, they're absolutely brilliant. 
I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 X. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Yeah, the intensity and the talents. Hey, what's up, Mark? Big fan. Adults don't want kids to be funny. I'm immature, so I don't count. The X at 105.9. Double M on the X, 412-333-9939. I'm told Elton John is coming back to Pittsburgh after tonight even. Tonight was supposed to be his farewell show. My God, he's scheduled again for November of 2019. That's the longest farewell tour ever. Actually, that's not true. The Scorpions did a farewell tour that was like four years long, and then they didn't quit. I don't trust any band that says it's a retirement tour. Like Ozzy, who I hope to see Saturday in Vegas, it looks like his hand is healed enough to perform. He did a tour two decades ago called No More Tours, like the song No More Tears. This is No More Tours 2. And he's already said that he'll still play again after that. Here's the Steelers injury update. Morgan Burnett, did not practice with a groin. You people wouldn't understand that because you don't have groins. Morgan Burnett's a bust. Ladarius Green at tight end. Morgan Burnett is his equivalent at safety on the defensive side of the ball. Darius Hayward Bay did not practice with an ankle, nor did LJ Fort with an ankle. Uh, Terrell Edmonds with his ankle and Vince Williams with the hammy were full participants. That's according to Dale Lawley from DKPittsburghSports.com. I saw a friend of mine who works for the Steelers last night, and he said they feel like they're playing Terrell Edmonds just too much. But they think he's doing okay for being force-fed the experience, and it's not by choice. It's because with Morgan Burnett hurt all the time, what are their other options? Let's go to Jordan. Jordan, you're on with Double M. Hi, Mark. Hello, Jordan. Um, yes, Morgan is a bust. Um, and the defense definitely plays better without Vince Williams in there. Well, I mean, um, it, it might have been just a fluke, but um, sure, you see, I, I, can't, I can't sit here and say that LJ Fort or Dirty Red are better than Vince Williams because I think they both stink. Good point. Especially uh, Matt Akavich. Well, I like what Matt yeah. Williamson says, and I quote him often. Matt Williamson always says, our football guru, he says, if it were up to him, Tyler Makedovich would never be on the field at all on defense. Yeah, that's probably right. Unfortunately, we're in a situation where he has to be. Uh, my call is about penalties. Um Yes, there are more often the passer penalties, but do you feel like there are less pass interference penalties this year and that they're letting them... I, I, I don't know. I've not seen the numbers. Uh, obviously, the numbers would dictate. Uh, I haven't seen as many pass interference penalties just on a glance, no. Yeah, and I feel like that kind of plays into the fact that, um, like you said earlier, that the game is about fantasy and about red zone, and I feel like down the field they are letting them fight a little more and get away with more than previous years. Again, I have no way to back that up. I'm looking at it uh, right now, and I I can't find anything that uh, that indicates one way or the other, which leads me to believe that it's not a story. 
by the way, uh, one reason I think that Tomlin, he got fined for his comments criticizing referees after the game, the, the uh, win this past Sunday. And uh, I think part of that is because Tomlin serves on the league's competition committee. So all of this stuff about quarterbacks being protected and all the roughing the passer penalties and the body weight thing, Tomlin was privy to that when they talked about it before it was implemented. And maybe when he had the chance then, he didn't speak up. And maybe that led to not only a fine, but what I felt was a pretty big fine. 412-333-9939, the number to call. Up next, we're going to talk hockey with Mike Rupp. Always a pleasure to talk to Rupp, or that's next on 105.9. This is Matt Murray of the Pittsburgh Penguins, and you're listening to Mark Madden and the best hockey talk on the home of the Pens, 105.9 The X. Okay, we're trying to get a hold of Mike Rupp. In the meantime, I want your hockey calls, 412-333-WXDX. Don't forget I am live at Buford's on 5th Avenue tomorrow from 3 till 6. That's before the Penguins and Golden Knights play at PPG Paints Arena. It's going to feel kind of weird to have Vegas in town and Marc-Andre Fleury not playing. Uh, He played in their game on Monday night. He's going to play again tonight at Washington. And backup Malcolm Saban will get the call for the Golden Knights tomorrow night at Pittsburgh. It'll be Subban versus DeSmith, which uh, no offense to those two goaltenders, but that's a far cry from Murray versus Flurry. Uh, so call the show now. Let's talk hockey. Or you can tweet me at Mark Madden X. Here's a tweet from Eric. What do you do about the Penguins' goaltending situation short and long term since Murray's injury status makes him unreliable? Well, short term, you do exactly what they're doing now, Eric. You play Casey DeSmith and have Tristan Jari in reserve. I would assume Jari gets some games if Murray proves to be out for a lengthy period of time. It's not ideal, but it's the regular season. It's October. I think the one good side effect from having DeSmith or Jari in goal is I think the Penguins will tighten up defensively and maybe have more sound structural play, systematic play, with uh, a backup in goal. Maybe that will have the effect of getting the system down more pat like Mike Sullivan has 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 wanted it would be to the point of really losing his temper more than I thought possible for a coach after a team's second game of the season. And I don't blame Sully. He had every right to be pissed after that 5-1 loss at home to Montreal Saturday, but he was very, very visibly pissed. So let's see how the Penguins respond to having a backup in goal. And in terms of the long run, well, if Murray's out for the long run, and I don't anticipate that, Murray's more a series of annoying short injuries than being out for an appreciable length of time. But uh, I would think that uh, you'd have to trade for a goalie. But that is so far off as to not even be logically considered at this point. Line combinations will stay the same from the first two games. Uh, on defense, Ricola jumps in in place of Mata. Curious to see how Ricola does. I pronounced his name so many different ways, by the way. 
He's like uh, Melanson, Melanson. I just can't get a grip on pronouncing it the same way consistently. I'm used to the cough drop ad. Ricola. In fact, if that kid had any marketing sense whatsoever, he would change his name to Ricola, at least insist that it be pronounced that way. Let's go to Marshall in the truck. Marshall, you're on with Double M. Hey, Mark. What up? Hey, um, I know it's a little early with just two games on the regular season, but do you think they're going to stick with the line mates long-term with Broussard, or are they going well, to... Well, I don't uh, think any lines really... You know, I don't think these lines will be together in uh, February. The only thing I'm sure about is that Gensel and Sidney Crosby will continue to play together. But I right. think Broussard, Simone, and... and uh, Rust have looked pretty good. What say you? Well, I think they're the hardest working line right now out of all the lines. Well, and that's sort of what you want your third line to be, isn't it? Right, right. But Broussard's more than a third-line talent, and I just hope his minutes stay decent and he can get his numbers up playing on the third line. And I was just wondering, you know, later on in the season, who do you see them maybe uh, switching around, plugging into that third line to see if they can get another edge out of that third line. Now, just a second ago, you said you liked that third line, and now you want to change it. No, 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 no. What I'm saying is, is if something were to happen injury-wise or... Oh, Zach Aston-Reese. Zach Aston-Reese? Yeah. He's better at left, can play right. I think he's the next man up, obviously, if anybody gets hurt. On any line, really. Although, I don't think he'd jump in the top six. I think they would probably... I think if a top six winger got hurt, they would move Sprong or Simone up and then plug Aston Reese in uh, in the bottom six. Let's go to John in the car. John, you're on with the super genius. John, you're on the air. All right, John, good stuff. Thank you for calling. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. The Murray injury is a concern. How could anybody say it's not? How could I sit here and say it's not? This is his third concussion and his eighth injury since he made his National Hockey League debut in December 2015. Of course that's a worry. It's a shame they couldn't keep Flurry and Murray, but I reiterate, and I can't believe I still have to have this conversation. Then again, I can't believe Matt Murray gets hurt as often as he does. And I'm not blaming him, but it's a fact that it, has stalled his momentum and, at certain times, the Penguins' momentum as well. But um, every single GM in the league, when the choice had to be made, would have kept Murray over Flurry because of Murray's recent resume and because of the age difference. That's absolutely the case. 412-333-9939 is the number to call. You know, it's too early in the year to be surprised by anybody in the NHL. But, boy, Buffalo and Carolina have good records and are playing very well. Buffalo, in some ways, if the Sabres surprise me, it's marginally because uh, I trust Botsy up there, Jason Botterill, and they have a legitimate top gun in Eichel. But Carolina, I did not expect at all. Joining me now from the NHL Network, and from AT&T Sportsnet locally, we welcome former Penguin Mike Rupp. Rupper, I don't know if you heard what I just said, but 
Buffalo and Carolina both look very good. I know it's too early to be surprised by anybody, but but they look all right, don't they? They do. Um, it's, uh, I just find it really, really tough to to get a gauge here. I think at the beginning of the year, there's so much kind of unstructured play. Um, I think you can see that. I mean, you could look as quick as uh, the Caps Pens game there. I mean, that, as much as we love seeing goals, I think both both those teams uh, aren't very happy with the way they they played defensively. So I think at the beginning of the year, it kind of evens the playing field a little bit, and some teams that probably aren't going to be looking the way they look now come out and they start off pretty good. And I think after 20 games is usually where you start to see the teams kind of a little bit of a market correction there. But up to this point, you got to take what you've seen, and and they've both been pretty impressive. Now, turning to the Penguins, the Penguins are playing very sloppy. How can Mike Sullivan cure that? And is it too early in the year to even try hard? Um, I think it's just, you know, it's about getting back to that structure and, and paying attention to the details. I think the one thing that, you know, you got to figure is these guys, you know, as a player, when you're getting ready for the, the season, you're going out there, you're obviously in shape, you're, you're getting ready for training camp, you are feeling the puck, you're running through. It, it's mostly skill work that you're doing to prep yourself for the season. It's not like you're going out there in the summer and you're, you're watching video and, you're, uh, you know, you're, you're playing your angles defensively. So it takes a little bit of time and it takes time for every team. So I think that that's a lot of the reason why we've seen so many down goal scored up to this point. It seems like every night that there's, um, at least one team that's getting up in the seven, eight range in goals four. So, um, it, you know, it's, it's nothing that's going to, uh, um, change overnight, but it's also something that you don't want to, you don't want to pay too much attention to as far as panicking, but you, you want to address it. I mean, the sooner the teams that address it the quickest, don't put themselves in a big hole, and we all know that a start, a good start to the season is is paramount to kind of getting uh, getting to where you need to be. Matt Murray's injured; it's his third concussion and eighth injury, and he's only been in the league since December 2015. How concerning is that for Pittsburgh? Um, it's concerning. It's concerning. I think that that's been the one question mark with Matt Murray in his career has been just. He's got some unfortunate issues, obviously, with that, and seems to be injury prone. I don't know if you can necessarily throw a concussion into the being injury prone, but um, it's, it's something that keeps reoccurring with him, and he has a hard time staying healthy. And, and, and bigger things are just to make sure that he's handled and you handle it appropriately, so it's not nothing that continues to go on in in long term. Um, yeah, I, I think that that is if the Penguins have an Achilles heel, that that's it, and it's the health of Matt Murray. So. Well, what, what do you do, Rupper? Because you can get by in the regular season with the Smith and Jari, I think, but you're not going to win a cup with those guys. I mean, what if this continues with Murray? Yeah, you just got to, uh, I think that you're going to see this team taking a very cautious approach to it. And I just, I mean, all, all you can do is make, give it the best chance to turn to be completely um, back to being 100% and then going from there and just kind of hoping it doesn't happen. I mean, that's all you can do with concussions. You, know, you never know with the, the way this game is played that that can happen any play on any given night. So, um, you know, I think that it's a situation what we've seen with the Smith and, and Jari where, yeah, they can handle they can handle a workload in the, in, in the regular season. I don't think that you're going to be overly um, trustful for a long playoff run with those guys. And it's not because they're not capable of this. It's because we haven't, we haven't seen it from them. So, um, you know, you want to have someone where you, you know what they're going to do at that time of year. But, yeah, I think that it's, you're going to see this team be very patient, even when he's probably clear and it might take even longer 
to, to get him back. And uh, that's all you can do. You can't really, these concussions, uh, the type of injury it is, you, there's nothing really else you can do to approach it. We're talking to Mike Rupp of the NHL Network here on the Mark Madden Show. Ole is going to get scratched tomorrow, and uh, the Finnish rookie, Juso Ricola, is going to play Rupper. I get it, and I'm interested to see Ricola. But when the team plays bad and you bench one guy, it points the finger more than I'd like. Yeah, I mean, I, when you look up in, in Montreal coming out of coming into the game one this season, obviously you're talking two teams at different ends of the spectrum, but I think Claude Julian wanted to get the attention of that team real quick, and uh, he ends up sitting Carl Alsner, who had that Ironman streak going. He set uh, Lukanich, um, who has been a, a veteran player in that organization for a long time, and I think it, it, it sends a message, and that team has been playing really hard. And I think it shows that kind of sets the bar with, hey, we're serious here and we're going to make other guys accountable and, and everybody has to be accountable because if certain players, it happens to certain players, um, everybody's got to kind of be on warning. So I agree when it's one guy, maybe it makes it feel a little bit more that it's pointing at Oli Mata in particular. But um, I think right now Mike Sullivan is just trying to get a reaction out of the team and, and uh, you know, number, number three is the, the, the culprit of that. Rupper, uh, what's your take on Mata? Because he is a divisive presence among Penguins fans. I think he's very good. Some people think he's very bad. The one thing with him is I, I think the projection of when he busted in, I, I thought he'd be further ahead than he is now. And what it seems like with, with only Mata, it's, it's kind of funny. It's like it's like when, when most of us go golfing and you, you struggle most of the round, but then you hit a couple good shots and you come back and golf again. And it uh, keeps you keeps you going. And Ole Mott is like, he's a guy that at times you're expecting more out of him. And then all of a sudden he'll score a big-time goal in the playoffs or he'll do something really big and have a couple games where he strings it together. And maybe that's what it is. Maybe he sets those expectations to be um, that he's kind of turning that corner and going to be an, an elite defenseman. And um, But he does, he seems to do just enough to kind of reestablish himself. But... Um, I, I think we've all been kind of hoping that he's taken that next step and is able to kind of stay at a certain level, and, and that's been a struggle of his. But Tang is now the Penguins' all-time leading scorer among defensemen. And, Rupper, when you pass Paul Coffey, that's pretty special, isn't it? It is. You know what? And I'll say the, the one thing with him that I don't think he has up to this point and still to this day, he, he doesn't get his due for how he is in this league. And what I mean by that is when he's healthy, and we knew that we know that that's been an issue in his career, when he's healthy, I mean, I, I still to this day put him up there with, I mean, just about every single defenseman in this league. Um, I, I, I think that, sure, does he, have, does he have certain times in his game where you're like, what was he thinking right there, and he's a little too aggressive? Yeah, but the great ones do that, and we wouldn't be talking about his greatness if he didn't have that kind of, that attribute in him where he goes and he creates offense. Uh, we see it with, with Eric Carlson, and, and everyone's okay with that. And uh, I think that Crystal Tang's much more sound defensively than Eric Carlson. So um, I, I think, you know, having a, a player like Paul Coffey that he's able to pass, maybe maybe people can start understanding how great that Crystal Tang's been for Pittsburgh. i got to ask this, Rupert. It was a topic earlier in the program. The Nashville Predators raised a bunch of low-rent banners with spotlights in front of their crowd with the team on the ice. Regular season this, division that, blah, blah, blah. Isn't that kind of dumb? 
it was kind of dumb because there's been five Stanley Cups won in Pittsburgh. <laughs> well, Rupert, let me so tell you, I was around. I was around when we had no Stanley Cups, and I didn't want the lame ass banners. I want well, banners no, no. that mean something. It, it, you know what? And you're, and you're right, and it makes sense. But on the same note, these guys have uh, you, you got to. They want to recognize their accomplishments. I'm 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 all for it. when when and if a team wins the Stanley Cup. Um, I don't think you really like say Washington, for example. They finally won that cup. These guys win another President's Trophy in the coming years, or win a Metro Division title. Uh, I don't think that they're going to be, you know, raising a big hoopla, raising a, a yeah, not not a ceremonial. I would bet. No, 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 no. Yeah, so I don't have a problem because the team hasn't done anything in Nashville yet. And uh, but you know, they don't want to make a, a regular thing of that. That's for sure. Well, what got me was they raised the division banner, and I get that because that's tangible. They raised the President's Trophy banner. And I get that, because that's tangible. But they had Western Conference regular season champions. Rupper, there's no such thing as that. Nobody's ever claimed that before. <laughs> no, that's true. That is that is true. There's the, the Western Conference title, we know that belongs to Vegas, and it seems like that's a little bit of a gray area there with, with that banner. But, um, yeah, so I understand what you're saying. Yeah, that one's a little... Uh, you know, a little uh, question mark for that one, but uh, you know, it's it's if that's a great hockey town. They're trying to establish themselves. I don't have a problem with that. It's, it's, that one is a little bit, a little bit weird, though. Hey, speaking of Vegas, one one other thing, real quick. They're in town tomorrow. They're one and two. And Rupert, we talked about this before the season. I like their roster. They lost some guys, but they added some guys too. Pacioretty, Statsny. But I think they might backslide just because they expended so much emotion last year as an expansion team, accomplishing so much. What say you? Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that it's a team that's going to. Um, I still think that they finished top three in the in the Pacific. Um, where that is, we'll have to see. But I, I think that they're still a top three team. I, I don't really see them as a wild card. And I definitely don't see them not making the playoffs. Um, but it's different. I mean, it's different now in, in the, the energy you talked about. I mean, think of how many things were special last year, um, from the start of their season to individual play, William Carlson, Mark Andre Fleury's revival. I mean, you can go on and on with that team, and, and what a great story it was. Well, what's feeling special this year? I mean, I don't know. There's nothing that's jumping out to me like that. I guess you could say you got Max Patch ready and you got Paul Stastny, but. Um, it, they're on everyone's radar. I mean, the way that they played, and we all know it's a copycat league, uh, there's a lot of teams that adjusted to the way that they played last year. That's why I think that them, the Jersey Devils, Colorado Avalanche, they're not going to surprise anybody this year. Everybody knows how those teams play now, and those teams played a similar style in the way they were relentless on pucks. Well, teams know that now, and they've had a year to adjust to it. So anything they do this year, um, they're gonna not that they didn't earn it last year. It's gonna be a, just a, it's gonna be a quite a bit more difficult for them to accomplish. And uh, I still see them top three teams that division, but they're not gonna have the point totals they had last year. Rupper, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. Awesome, sounds good. That's Mike Ruff from the NHL Network and AT and T Sportsnet. Just around the corner, we talked to Bob McLaughlin. And don't forget, next hour in studio, it's Dave on Kovacevic, one zero five nine. And now the super genius, Mark Madden. Are you speaking from the inside of an electric razor? Yeah. Luke, I am your father. The X at 105.9. Joined now by Bob McLaughlin. Bob brought to you by 84 Lumber. Bob, uh, we've been talking a lot about this game Sunday 
between the Bengals and Steelers. What a dangerous situation it is. And the game last December, the fourth at Cincinnati, where Shazier got paralyzed, it was positively frightening. The uh, dirty play, the uber physicality, uh, seven extracurricular penalties, which is what they call penalties, like roughing the passer, unsportsmanlike conduct, unnecessary roughness, etc. The most in any game last year. Uh, Iloka got suspended, but it got overturned. Smith-Schuster got suspended and served the game. It was one of the most frightening exhibitions of quasi-football I ever remember. Yeah, you talked about uh, wishing that you could get some tapes from the show last year after that game, and I do specifically remember doing like the media reviews and stuff and following up on that game, and everybody, I mean everybody that was had anything to do with football in the NFL at that time was saying, whoa, that's... That's not football. The trash talk on the field, people trying to go after each other, all the penalties you just mentioned, um, some things that they missed. Uh, you don't want it to bleed over until this year, Mark, but I think with Perfect, he's not going to be able to help himself. Well, don't you think that coming off a PED suspension, you know, the, the roid rage, and I'm not joking, and, you know, uh, he always has a bloodlust that's not been sated recently, and Juju Smith-Schuster punked him last year. I think that makes for a revenge scenario. And if I were Juju, i got to be honest, I'd be frightened because in a physical confrontation with Vontez Perfect, in which Juju does not approach him at full speed from the blind side, oh. Juju has no chance whatsoever. Yeah, good thing they'll both have helmets on at that time. But you're right, he's going to have to keep his head on a swivel. And here's here's the problem with Vontez Perfect, Mark. I'm thoroughly convinced he's going to try to get away with something, whether it's uh, an ankle turn after a tackle, whether it's a knee into a sensitive spot in a pileup or something like that, because I don't think he can help it. And the other thing is, when he gets nailed for these penalties, when he plays the way he does, he always, always tries to convince the official, what? What? There, there's nothing there. I mean, I think he's going to try to get away with something that's not too big, but it will be big in the eyes of the officials. Oh, no. Have to I, I think it. he'll take the flag, take the ejection even, if it means getting even with Juju Smith-Schuster. And and then the, the whole Bengals team is dirty. They're undisciplined. They're coached by a coach who's not disciplined. I wouldn't call the Steelers particularly disciplined, although they're more sloppy than dirty, yeah. especially this year. I just have a bad feeling about the game. As I mentioned earlier, Bob, uh, the fact that the referee is a personal injury lawyer <laughs> is all the people need to know, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think he'll be walking away from this game saying, it's all good, man. I still haven't seen it. No spoilers. Not saying a word. Now, uh, what's your take on Nashville raising the three low-rent banners, in particular the Western <laughs> Conference regular season championship banner because, Bob, no such championship exists. <laughs> you know, when I first saw it, I kind of looked up to see, uh, all right, is this even a thing? And like you just talked about with Rupper, the other two banners, stupid, yes, but I can see that. That's happened before in the The other NHL. two banners I wouldn't raise with the crowd and the players in the spotlight. Right. But well putting put. them up there for people to see when they come to the rink for the next game is no big deal. Well put. That's yeah, what I, the Penguins do. I agree with you on that They always have done. And I, I, there's no way that they ask the players about this. Don't you think? I mean, I think that this was a front office decision. No, they, the players felt like a bunch of dorks. <laughs> exactly. I mean, if we ever do get Nick Benino, let's pointedly make it, a, you know, let's make that question part of it if you're able to get him on maybe in a matchup against the uh, the Penguins this season. But they had to have just been sitting there going, wait, what, 
what is that third banner? What I mean, what the team like? We don't even know. Maybe they had shirts printed up, or they have little rally towels or something like that. Bob, if they put up a banner, they printed shirts. No doubt on that. That's Bob McLaughlin, brought to you by eighty four lumber. In just thirty seconds, uh, I like today's list. I think it's one of my better efforts. You want to talk hockey? You want to talk how dangerous that game's going to be? Do you think Burfick's going to go after Juju? Do you think he's going to try to get even? 412-333-WXDX. And if you call and say, well, he's too smart for that, my retort would be, no, he's not. If you say, well, he doesn't want to get a penalty or a suspension or a fine, none of that's ever stopped him before. If I were Juju, seriously, I would be extremely concerned. I'm Mark Madden, 105.9 The X.